1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. Quick work in the pocket. Revolt has it on the swing. Gave it a good look. Kick the ripper of a goal. Screws a left foot kick in the Revolt direction. That was so Tiger. Slapped it over the top. A chance to kick a goal. And Castagna has. Pummels them into full forward again. Revolt has it punched away. Goes to Nan Curvis, can you believe? And the big Ruckman dribbles it through for a goal. Until Selwood put his will into the contest. Forced it clear for danger to Ablett. The big names combined. Selwood kept on going. Paddled for Kelly. Simply must and does. They've scrounged the goal somehow. Swooping is Lambert. Kicked a full forward. Higgins dropped the mark. They'll still go. Wow. Townsend stands his ground. Got fed it from Lambert and kicked the goal. They are irrepressible. They're almost unstoppable. There's two Tigers to contend with and there's a free kick to Geelong. So Hawkins looking for his first goal of the night. Seven and seven to goalless until late in the final term and he gives them faint hope, Hawkins and puts it through from 35 metres out. Almost took a sizeable grab. His recovery was outstanding. The open goal beckons. Guthrie has grid covered. If it sits, he'll soccer it through. It sits, and he soccers it through, and they're still alive. Hello, this has been the pattern. A high ball. Hawkins arrives late. Short jumped up. There's Chaos. There's Henry. There's Menegola. There's Menegola! They swarm to him, it spits out. Oh, Hawkins to Ablett, missed. Oh. He missed, he had a free swing at it. 40 out, 45 degree angle, he nursed it right. Challenged to the very end. The siren sounds and Richmond's supremacy rolls on at the MCG. A stirring challenge late from the Cats. They fall ultimately short by three points. I thought we probably didn't look as, as fresh and as vibrant as, as we probably normally did. I think we get some really good learnings out of the game. And, again, we've got a really good look at a system that we haven't seen before. They've obviously done some work on that, came in with a plan, and I say fortunate to, to walk away at the points. But it was a good quality game, two good sides having a crack at it. A most curious night ends in a familiar way with Tiger victory and the top of the ladder protected. Kane Lambert gives us the Richmond side of the tale. We're disappointed, but we're not discouraged with the performance. We had our chances to win. I mean, we had the better of the game for big parts of the game. So I don't think that anyone from our footy club should be walking away thinking that we need to change things drastically to beat them. They're really they're the best side in at the moment, but they need a lot to go right for them to win it. No question. If we're good enough over the next six weeks, seven weeks, and we get another chance to, to play them, and hopefully we do, we'll give ourselves a really good chance. Yeah, they're a good team, but they're beatable. Daunted, the Cats coach thinks they are capable of big things. Chris Scott is our headline guest. The last two weeks haven't been terrific for the code, I don't think, in terms of this issue. We had pressed Tom pretty hard over the last couple of months for an answer. I'm not sure you can have your cake and eat it too. We probably would prefer that it wasn't public. We're in the free agency world and Tom was asked for a decision and that, that decision's been, you know, been wanted for about three months now and finally made that decision and was very really honest about it and, you know, we've seen a little bit of fallout from there. I think Tom Lynch will leave with his head held high with his integrity intact and are there things that we would like to have played out differently? Yes. Tom Lynch quits and the Suns dump him right back. So what does it tell us about free agency? 
the latest in the rules debates, and what on earth is the AFL doing with its women's competition? Plus, Bombers CEO Xavier Campbell in the crunch. It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC, safety barriers, save lives, getting us towards zero. Yes, good morning, everyone. It's a packed crunch time to do justice to a huge Super Saturday of footy. It's brought to you by Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC, Safety Barriers Saves Lives, getting us towards zero. Later tonight, Sydney play Collingwood. I'm in Adelaide for showdown number two this year, the Crows and Port. And the boys are getting ready for Hawthorne and Essendon at the MCG. And the boys I speak of are Jared Waitley, as you've heard already, and the two Ks, David Kinney and Kane Corns. Uh, welcome, team. What a night it was at the MCG. As Jared said, a curious night. In many ways, it would have been a steal, but it was there for the taking for the Cats. And when I got home last night and watched the replay, it was a bit like as a child when you know your team's lost, but you're hoping it might end in a different way. I thought Apple <laughs> might have kicked it on the replay. But he didn't. Good morning. Good morning, Hutto. Yeah, he's eight out of ten, isn't he? Perhaps nine. And I think if you wanted anyone with the footy in their hands from Geelong, probably him and Duncan, I think, was scripted perfectly. Unfortunately, he just didn't hit it right. I think he's the best shot for goal on the run in the game, nearly. A, a terrific performance, considering they were, you know, minus 22 and inside 50s, and Richmond felt like they were just going to do what Richmond have done all year in the last quarter. It wasn't the case, and Geelong hung in there. And Chris Scott, just hearing his comments after the game, Jared and Kingy, I get the feeling he's reasonably or very bullish about what the Cats can do this year. And he was almost, it was almost a little dig at Richmond, wasn't it, when he said they need a lot to go right it for them was, to win it, it was again. It, it, and I love, I love listening to him talk because he's, he's honest, but I haven't heard anyone speak about Richmond like that this year. Well, it was a dig. How hard a dig it was. How hard it was at Richmond and how much it was about Geelong is open no, to no, interpretation. That was, that was a Richmond, Hutto. But, but he, said, <laughs> he said they yep. need a lot to mm. go right. I would have thought if you've won 15 games for the year, sit a two games clear on top of the table on this Saturday morning. You've won 19 in a row out here. You're unbeatable at the MCG. You only lost interstate. I, I think... I think that's a fraction disrespectful, Jared. to be yeah. perfectly honest. To be talking about another team like that that's just beat you and you go to your press match, uh, sorry, the post-match uh, press conference and you're probably a bit wound up. Talk about your own team, no problem. But for him to say Richmond need a lot to go right, that, that's, that's, that's ridiculous, really. It, they don't need a lot to go right. They just need to keep doing what they've been doing, really. It did have a rather large to be continued oh, yeah. sitting on it, the on-field and then the off-field. I don't know whether there will be another... Part to it because Geelong are in a spot. They're eighth. They're, they're flat out making it. Richmond are first, so they're going to be just fine. But I, I got to the car last night and thought, I want to see that again because it was something you would have loved it. It was something completely new. It's and strategy, to roll Jared. something new out in round 20, that's pretty bold. This is why Chris Scott is voted by his peers as a great game day coach because he changes, he changes the norm. <clears throat> Geelong served up a totally different plan to what they've done for 19 rounds. I mean, to be able to do that, to be able to get your players to buy in, there's going to be flaws, there's going to be chinks, you're going to make errors because it's new. You've probably trained it in reality for an hour and a half for the week. So for the so, players so Kingy, to adapt... Go, go, go back a step. For our, for our uh, listeners, most would have watched the game last night or listened to the call, what did they do different? Well, we know that how Geelong played. Geelong, across the course of the year, uh, 
are a white boundary team. They go they go wide. They certainly have for the first half of, uh, of the season. Last night, everything came through the corridor. It, it yeah. was it was aggressive. Richmond's defensive positioning was challenged. They love that grid formation behind. Often the defenders will guard boundary side because percentages say when you're exiting your defensive 50, you take the, the route of less risk, and that's the boundary side. Geelong didn't do that. They said, look, this might cost us some goals across the journey, but we're going to kick some as well. It, it, what it did do, Richmond, the number one team, ever tracked for intercept marking the ball. 19 a game they average. It's the most we've ever seen. Last night they got 15, but they, in the first three and a half quarters, they took zero intercept marks in their defensive 50. Now, across the course, you've seen Rance and Asprey and Grimes and Vlost and just mark it at will. It's almost like you've kicked it to them when you go inside your forward 50. But so Chris Chris Scott was able to take that away from them. But but didn't they then, didn't they didn't they turn it over? Didn't they give them those intercept marks not in the defensive 50, but in the middle half of the ground? Well, that's. Part of being aggressive, though, Hutto, you, if, you, if you're going to take the risk and roll the dice to go through a, a really dangerous area, you are going to turn it over. You, it's yeah. not going to be pure. I mean, Richmond are a good team. You're not, you're not, you're not changing your whole plans to play against the Brumbies. You're playing against the best. And then, then what happened is they knew they were going to have clearance dominance because Richmond are the poorest clearance team in the competition, but they brained them. They did. They, they won seven of the last ten clearances across the course of the night. I think they won them by you know, seven or eight. But the scores from clearances, that was the difference. They were able to get it in and get it on the scoreboard. Cornsey, I think every team in the top eight will be looking at how Chris did this. And it's exciting for the game that the corridor is becoming king again and that Chris Scott, I think, has yeah. opened up an, an option. If you're ballsy enough as a coach and brave enough as a playing group to go through the corridor against Richmond, you'll get rewarded. And I want to ask you, Kingy, because my belief when you come up against Richmond is don't over, overuse the handball because they're that good. That will invite the pressure. They'll turn it over. And, and it happened last night. But Geelong to go plus 64 handball receives last night against Richmond is completely against what I thought and what we'd all probably spoken about this year about Richmond. You, you, you want to play a kicking game against them, sides like the Giants and Port Adelaide and Adelaide have had success kicking the ball and marking the ball. Well, it, it wasn't that at all. But was... that wasn't by design last night, I don't think, Kane. I don't well, think they tried that and we can I, ask Chris about it. But I'm, not I, sure, I that... I'm not sure, Hutto. When, when you get Gary Ablett and Dangerfield deliberately almost overhandling the ball when they are out, I think that was a, a genuine plan to, to use and run and carry the ball through the middle of the ground, forward handball, like almost like Richmond do. Well, well maybe some of those... I mean, King, you give your thoughts. You're better at it than what I am. But maybe some of those were, but I thought they were forced into a lot of those handballs and they wouldn't have wanted to do that. 204 is a lot of handballs. That's a, that's a massive number. Like, I think across the course of the season, they're about 170 average. Mm. last three weeks, probably closer to 185-odd. But um, no, I, I think Richmond force you into a game that you don't want to play. That, that's that we know we all know that, and that every team that's playing Richmond is ha- is having to find a, a level of security with the football that they they're unfamiliar with, whether that's control it by foot, Cornsey, and, and then take uncontested marks like the West Coast did, and they've shown that template if you like to beating Richmond. But if you are going to try and step through and play corridor and and be aggressive with the ball, you are going to have to take risk by hand. Yeah. You can't just blast the ball in the corridor. So you're going to have an elevated number of handballs. They're going to challenge you to be pure. If you get through. The rewards are big. You're generally going to have a forward out the back into space, um, and that's that. I think that when Damien Harbick uh, sits down this morning and the dust settles, he'll say, "Gee, we got beat out the back pretty easy. Do we do we need to have a look at you know, how aggressive are we as a backline group, or do we just say, you know what, 
I've got a feeling that Richmond were only at 80% last night. Mm. They weren't at their brilliant best. That's a personnel out as well. They didn't run the game out five, like we used to. Five premiership players, yeah. Out, outscored in the second half of football. We haven't seen that for the year. I mean, they've been a brutal fourth quarter team. Um, so Damien would probably say, you know what, it's a, probably a pretty good win. We, we, we went at, say, 80%, not by design. They might. Who knows what they're doing with their training phases and all these sorts of things. We're four weeks out from finals. This would be the logical time. You're, you're punching some kilometres into the guys. So, look, I think he'd, he'd say, did we expose some options for some opposition teams to come at us? Absolutely. But if you're good enough to go through the corridor against us, good luck. This is the season, isn't it? Who can come up with something against Richmond? So yep. West Coast have given us one look at a really distinct style of play, yep. which was successful in Perth. And that demands a sort of a test at the MCG. And now we've seen something, I mean, radically different to the course of the season rolled out last night. And that's as close as anyone's got to Richmond in this imperious run. There, there is a little asterisk, Jared. I think the importance of Dion Prestia is, is understated. Yeah. And this is a guy they've virtually put him through a mini pre-season halfway through the year and brought him straight back into the senior team. He was out last night. He is, he's half their clearance game. And I know there's Martin and Cochin and bigger names that roll through there, but the importance of pressure to this midfield, and that's why they take no risks with him, you know, because there's, there's bigger fish to fry, and if they lost the game last night, would it be a disaster? No, far from it. So maybe maybe from a Richmond point of view, if you put your yellow and black on for a bit, mm. they think this is not a bad game for us to actually have a look at. The, the outside perception that this season's Richmond's to lose is gone now. We've still got the four points. We've still got players to come back in. This is hard. This is far from a disaster. Uh, but I just uh, the the words of Chris Scott are still sitting in my head. Well, well I, let, I, let's I still let, can't believe what he said, Jerry. Let's play them then a bit a longer version than we heard before. He is going to join us shortly, as is Kane Lambert. But let's hear the elongated version of Chris Scott. We're disappointed, but we're not discouraged with the performance. We had our chances to win. I mean, we had the better of the game for big parts of the game. So I don't think that anyone from our footy club should be walking away thinking that we need to change things drastically to beat them. They're really they're the best side in at the moment, but they need a lot to go right for them to win it. No question. If we're good enough over the next six weeks, seven weeks, and we get another chance to, to play them, and hopefully we do, we'll give ourselves... A, a really good chance. And I think there are other teams in exactly the same boat as well. Yeah, they're a good team, but they're beatable. If it sounds that way, I don't really mean to be jumping on the front foot saying they're not that good. They've won 19 at the MCG in a row. Like They, they, they are good. But, I mean, watching the game last week, I thought Colin were on top of them for big parts of the game. When you talk about the juggernauts of the competition of years gone by, you're just never in the game against them. I don't see that. So I, I'm, I don't want to overstate it. You know, we went down by less than a kick tonight and we think we can play better. Now, they'll say they can play better as well. I understand all that. It's a pretty tight comp. Everyone understands it's tight in the middle. I reckon it's pretty tight at the top too. He was bolshy all week. He wanted to say, <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. That's <laughs> what he wanted to say. He wanted to play, Jerry. <laughs> he did. He wanted to play. That To me, was a coach caught up in, in selling a message and, and really invested, uh, which is what you want as a player. You want to hear that the coach is on edge and angry that everyone's considering that, that Richmond is so much better than Geelong. He had a plan. He bought the plan. They executed it to within a minute of victory. Um, you know, there'll be, there'll be so much reflection on that switch kick across the ground, Jared. So the Thurlow kick yeah, into the middle, Geelong yeah. are down by 10. If he hits the kick, they score. If you had a glance at what was ahead, they were going to kick a goal. Menzel had got loose in the goal square. It would have been four. Richmond kick a behind and then a goal from it. And the kick in, what's more, reaches the back, as is the design on the Tui long kick, and short cuts it off and it goes straight back in. Richmond kick another goal and push it back out to 23. And we're all sort of thinking, oh, well, they've fired their best shots. And this will probably creep away. Mm. Geelong end up kicking the last three. 
and Ablett has the shot. And the Ablett, the, the game is the Ablett shot game. Yes. Yeah, no, no. It, it is, I'm fascinated by the comments because they'll be out of the eight probably at the end of this round. So for Chris Scott to be speaking like that and they're not even qualified for finals, he's saying if it goes right the next six or seven weeks, we might get another crack at him. He's them. saying Richmond have got a lot of work they're, to do. I know. They're, so, the they're not even going to be, they're not even going to be in the eight. So, <laughs> so I mean, who, who, they're who, confident. Who is it? Post-match, what is the value in, the, in that statement post-match when they don't even know if they're going to be there? It's just bizarre. Oh, but, and, and can they play? We'll ask him. He said that they could have played better. When you look at their, their numbers, just raw numbers in terms of the players that play well, their good players played well last night. Dangerfield, Selwood, Kelly, Duncan, all of them, Ablett perhaps, room for improvement. And, and Hawkins, the one that didn't probably fire last night. But... They're playing at a high level last night. Is their depth good enough to compete with Richmond, who are just so even? So I'm not sure how much better they can play. Been one of their problems all year. They've they've got some personnel to come back in as well, of course. Uh, Stuart and Stanley, the most uh, recent who have been out of the team. But uh, we can discuss more of that with Chris Scott. We'll turn our attention to the Tigers next because Kane Lambert, what a star he's become. Uh, He'll tell us uh, a bit more about where the Tigers are situated and more of his own story. Later, Xavier Campbell. A couple of big issues to discuss, including the latest on the rules of the game, AFLW, and, of course, Tom Lynch. If you didn't hear our chat with Paul Connors last night, Tim, Tom Lynch's manager, said there was some regrets. Uh, make sure you stay tuned. We'll play quite a bit of that. So stay with us here on Crunch Time as we build up to a huge day of footy, Super Saturday. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC, Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. 16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au. This is crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value. Check out honda.com.au. And our great friends at the TAC, Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. Chris Scott, the Geelong coach, Essendon CEO Xavier Campbell, and plenty of hot topics in footy still to come, so stay with us on Crunch Time. But uh, time to continue our discussion about the juggernaut that is Richmond at the MCG and one of their prime movers. It's been a terrific footy story over the last two or three years. Is Kane Lambert, and he joins us on a Saturday morning after another satisfying performance, I'm sure, at the MCG. But it was a, a bit of a, a nail-biter in the end, Kane. Thanks for joining us and well played. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Tell us about what it was like out there, particularly in the, in the last five or six minutes as the Cats were really coming for you. Yeah, they were, and uh, credit to them. They, um, you know, they were pretty bold with the way they moved the ball, and um, yeah, it got pretty tense towards the end there, and um, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to hold on, but quite easily could have gone the other way. Did you feel like, even from the start of the game, they were, they were throwing up something a little bit different at you with the way they were moving the ball through the middle of the ground? 
Yeah, we did. We spoke about, um, you know, they're, they're probably going to be a bit more aggressive with it. Um, but, yeah, they, they might have caught us off off guard a little bit with the with how aggressive they really were. But, um, you know, I suppose Solid's got to try to figure out a way to, to get through us. And, um, you know, we're fortunate we've got to have a look at that and hopefully we can uh, counteract it if we have to come up against it again. Yeah, I've been fascinated all year with the psychology of the defending Premier and the old being the hunter or being hunted. And Damien's talked all year about, right from the start, about it. we're going to continue to hunt, we're not going to be the hunted. Um, how, how does that feel as a player, and particularly as different teams start to throw different things up and, and you're, you're sitting there on top of the ladder and you are the target for each team each week? Yeah, look, there's no doubt it's been a, a huge challenge is, is how do you deal with success. And, and each week you just feel like sides are coming up here. But for us, our process has stayed the same. And, you know, there's a brand of footy that... Uh, we enjoy playing and um, we know our supporters love watching and that's just, just hunting the ball carry and applying as much pressure as we can. So in terms of that, that doesn't really change too much. But, you know, it has been a real challenge and, uh, you know, sides are, sides are throwing it at us and, you know, we've been able to hold up at the moment. But, um, you know, there's still a long way to go. Kane, when you said um, that you expected them to be aggressive against you, is that, is that pre-match or is that an in-game adjustment where, where you think you said they caught you off guard a little bit? Did you expect that prior to the game or during? Oh, it was more yeah, at the end of the first quarter. They, were, they seemed to be you know, kicking through the middle a lot more than what we probably expected. And uh, you know, we had to change a few things and uh, just get out, you know, shape up our contest. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of an in-game sort of change. And just the stoppage work as well, we've spoken about a little bit. They kicked um, nine goals from stoppages. Any concern in that area every game? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's been a little bit of a problem for us, our, uh, yeah, our clearances throughout the year. So um, I'm sure that's something we'll look at throughout the week and hope to rectify it. Uh, Kane, it's, it's probably been more than a problem. Uh, when you look at where you sit in the competition for, for clearance uh, output, you last in the competition. Do you, is it something that is is a focus for the midfield group, or is it is it more of capitalising on the, the clearances you do win and maybe separate quality from quantity? Yeah, I think you know, the, the clearances that we're losing, they're they're not coming out the front doors. I suppose they're they're pretty dirty balls, and uh, more than often we'd, we'd much love rather win the clearance ourselves. But you know, if we're going to give up clearance, we want to make sure that it's uh, you know a dirty one, as I say. So. Uh, Look, it's something that we need to rectify because, you know, contested ball and clearances come, you know, the crunch time of the year is crucial. So, uh, you know, it's something we're trying to, trying to fix. Well, take us on field last night, that frantic last 10 minutes. I think the Cats won seven of the last 10 clearances and they were coming out with aggression, as you just touched on, you know, called coming out the front of the clearance. It's probably uh, obvious for all of us to see on the, on the TV screen. <clears throat> How are you handling it on field? Uh, yeah, well, they they were pretty bold. They threw, you know, they played seven forwards and, um, you know, they were aggressive with their stoppage work and uh, we needed just to calm down a little bit. I think it was, uh, we got, I suppose, caught up in the moment with uh, the crowd getting involved and then them scoring real quickly. So, uh, uh, yeah, we just had to stay calm and, you know, we're fortunate towards the end there they missed a couple that uh, probably could have changed the result. But, uh, you know, credit, credit to our boys. We have to uh, fight it out and get the full points. You may not be aware of uh, Geelong coach Chris Scott's comments after the game, but he, but he did say, to paraphrase, a lot needs to go right for you to win it this year. Do you take exception to those comments? Oh, not really. I think a lot needs to go right for every club to, to win a premiership. Um, yeah, not, not, not particularly at all. So what Dim has to say, that concerns me, really. <laughs> Your own progression, Kane, is we've admired it from afar. Just give us an insight into how you've developed your game, and is this as good as you've been? 
Uh, I think so. I also think there's a lot of growth in my game, but um, you know, using the system and just a bit of confidence and belief in, in my own ability. Uh, I think when you're, you're told you're not good enough for so long, somewhere deep inside you, you probably start to believe it. And uh, just being able to put performance and continuity in my footy, and the belief starts to grow, and you know you feel comfortable and feel like you belong. Can you sort of pick the turning points in that? Oh, it's a challenge, you know, one week I might play a good game, the next I don't, and you suddenly start doubting yourself again. But I think the wheels start to turn, uh, you know, midway through last year, and, uh, you know, Blake Carousel and Andrew McGuolto have been, you know, huge for me in that regard, and, uh, you know, they're, they're allowing me to play to my strengths, which is, uh, you know, which is great for my confidence as well. So when can, you're can playing you your can... best footy, what is it, Kane? So, so what was that? When you're playing your best footy, what does it look like? Oh, it's just my work rate, getting to as many contests as I can and, uh, you know, being clean with the ball. Uh, that, that's probably, you know, some of my key focuses going into a game. Can, can I ask you, Kane, why do you think, you, you know, what was it that they made you or made other people not think you were suitable for the level? Why was there so many setbacks for you before you got your chance? Oh, I think the most clearest feedback I ever got was that I was just a role player and I wasn't going to be a match winner, uh, which I guess is fair enough from a recruiter point of view, they like players with weapons, but um, you know, just part of Richmond 22 is, is about being a role player, and you know, I'm more than happy being a role player now, but I guess there's probably a lot of players similar to me. You know, I was probably a little bit undersized. Again, didn't have a, a real weapon that you know stood out to, to recruiters, and um, I, yeah, that's just the way it goes. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just really lucky that Richmond finally took a chance on me. Okay, did you've, you've built you've built to become a bit of a goal scorer now. I often watch your clearances and you you're assessing whether to, to defend or to attack. But as soon as you decide to attack, your first fifteen to twenty steps to get forward has allowed you to kick fifteen goals so far this year. It's a huge return. It's a big number for a, a high forward slash midfielder. Um, did you set yourself a, a target at the start of the year to to maybe hit twenty twenty five goals? I didn't. I didn't really put a number on it, but uh, you know, I did want to become a little bit more damaging centre forward. Particularly, I thought last year, um, you know, I probably wasn't as clean as I would have liked. Uh, so, in terms of getting on the scoreboard and, and being involved in scoring change, was a bit of focus for me. But you know, my best footy at VFL level, I was able to, to kick goals, and, and that was my next step. I felt at AFL level was was again to be a bit more damaging front half. One of your former assistant coaches, Mark Williams, says that uh, it's been a two or three year process to get Tom Lynch to Richmond. He <laughs> says that it will happen. Kane, as a playing group, do you support that recruitment? Oh, look, you know, we're more than happy to bring talent into the, to the footy club, but um, you know, for us, it's about this year and, and what we can do this year, and you know, our list managers will look after next year in due course. So the players Where, don't talk about it amongst themselves? Sounded like a press co- a, a sheet of paper, that one, Kane. Did you, re- did you read that off a sheet of paper in front of you there? No, in all honesty, you know, Richmond, we build our game on, on process and, you know, we don't look at uh, two weeks' time or three weeks' time to talk about Gold Coast now. So, you know, it's all about what we can control now and, you know, Tom Lynch or any other players out of our, our, our control, it's uh, you know, a list management decision and I'm sure they'll do the right thing by the club. Where's your contract at, Kane? How, how long have you, have you got signed at the moment? Yes, I'm contracted to the end of next year. So do you think there'll be people in that group of, of you know that have really elevated themselves and are clearly worth more than, you know, without knowing what you get paid, you're, you're really elevated, who, you know, if you have more success that in the future you'll be looking to get better rewarded or are you happy just to purely focus on team success? 
Oh, to be honest, it's not something I've really thought about. My my own contract status is, um, you know, obviously contracted to next year. But uh, you know, I love my footy at Richmond, and yeah, you know, everyone's different. Um, you know, I'm not motivated by by money. I'm, you know, motivated by getting the absolute best I can out of myself. And you know, I'm more than happy at Richmond, and, and hopefully it stays that way. Kane, I suggest you change that language immediately. You, don't, <laughs> don't want, you do not want the paymaster at Richmond to hear that you're not motivated by money. You'll be a free agent at some stage. That's not what you want to set up uh, over the next couple of years. No, nah, that's all right. Well, um, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just there uh, playing joining his footy. We'll just see how it goes. Good idea. Uh, you're doing more than that, Kane. You're better. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Super player this year, certainly in line for all Australians. It's an enormous credit to you and all that you've put in. Uh, congratulations uh, on what you've done so far. The best is, is still ahead, hopefully, from your point of view and from the Tiger fans. Well played. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand-new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Eleven sixteen SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See Honda.com.au. Welcome back to the program. Eighteen minutes to midday. This is crunch time for Honda, your kind of value, and go to Honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. All the hot topics to be dissected in the crunch. Savior Campbell, Essen, and CEO to join us. David King, Kane Corns, Jerry Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you. And the coach of the Cats joins us now, Chris Scott, after, well, a, a match that threw up uh, plenty of questions. Not sure how many answers that actually gave us, but they had the shot and just failed. But coach has been good enough to join us. Chris, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. No worries, Hutto. Thanks for having me. Uh, how are you feeling this morning? I've, uh, I imagine and it appeared you're pretty frustrated post-match uh, as you were chatting to the media. Uh, how's it feel at 12 hours later? Um, not much better, to be honest. Um, they're always disappointing when you um, participate in those games where you have a really good chance of, of winning, especially against um, really solid opposition. I mean, there were there were some parts of the game where we were um, clearly outplayed. Um, you know, the game was played in their half a little bit too much. Um, they dominated inside 50s. But on the other side of the coin, I, I thought there were big parts of the games where we had it on our terms and... Um, you know, I think we come away from the game thinking if we got the chance to play them again that um, you know, if a few things went well we'd be right in there with a shot We've been discussing this morning that it appeared to be a change in game style to, uh, specifically and you can correct us if not to take on Richmond was it a case of when you played them last time thinking okay we actually need to play differently if we're going to beat them No not necessarily I mean we were I think maybe one point down at three-quarter time um, last time we played them in, in pretty similar conditions, probably a little heavier underfoot last time than it was last night, even though it was still slippery last night. Um, 
and in the end, we went down by you know, a couple of kicks. I think Hawkins had a shot to make it a two-goal game um, right at the end there. So we certainly didn't come away from that one thinking that um, that that they were unbeatable. Um, and we've, you know, we haven't got together really as a coaching group yet, but I suspect that'll be our analysis of it again. We we did a few things a little bit differently, um, but. Um, I wouldn't flatter Richmond too much by saying that what we were doing was specific to them. Chris, with your press conference, is there were you too pointed? Have you run the risk of disrespecting Richmond? In what respect, Jared? In holding to the line that they're unbeatable and that a lot has to go right for them to win the flag again. No, well, I'm... Gee, maybe it was in the heat of the moment, and I've, um, I'm not recalling what I said as clearly as I should. But um, I don't think, if I'm understanding you the right way, that I held to the fact that they're unbeatable. Am I understanding your question properly? Yeah, I mean, no, I still no, think not, they not need not So they need a lot to go right for them. Juggernauts of the competition over the years have been unbeatable. I don't see that. Uh, I think it's just a truism at every time. Um, this year, I mean, I, I would even reflect back on my time um, as a Brisbane player when when we were at our best um, at, at round 20, round 21. Irrespective of the season you've had, you still need a lot of things to go right um, to win a premiership. I just, I, I think, I think I'm just stating the obvious, which is, um, it's far from a foregone conclusion. Um, and you know, if now, I think Richmond are clearly the best team in the comp. There's no doubt about that. I'm not here to argue um, that point. I think that's a given. Um, but where it will be in whatever it is, six, eight, ten weeks, I think is still very much up in the air. It feels like you've been itching all week to say, if it bleeds, we can kill it and channel your old <laughs> coach, Chris. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, look, I mean, I guess I do need to be a little bit careful to pay Richmond the respect um, that they deserve, I, but I, I mean, I think, I think everyone um, in the footy. Oh, we'll have to get him back. Did he do that on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he speaks so well, Chris, doesn't he? I, I love hearing him talk about the broader game. And if he could really tell us what he really thinks every now and then, Gonzi, I'm sure we'd get uh, we'd get even more from Chris. But. Uh, I, I think he's he, what he's trying to say, Jared, and maybe it didn't come out that way last night, and it probably does sound a little bit disrespectful on occasion, but what he's saying is, I'm telling my troops we can beat them. I'm sure that um, Leon Cameron's telling the Giants the same thing, and Adam Simpson, the West Coast Eagles. They aren't unbeatable. They aren't as dominant as the Essendon team of 2000 or uh, the Brisbane Lions of, of the three-peat campaign Four or the four. Cats yeah. or the Hawks. They're not that. And, and, and I think when you really have a sensible look at it, he's right. But you just rarely hear a coach put that on the record after a game. He's back with us. You there, Chris? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I take your point, Kingy. I, 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 it certainly wasn't my intention to make a big statement. I, I, I thought I was just stating the obvious. Um, you know, they, we, we lost the game by um, less than a kick. We think we've got a bit of improvement in us. We don't consider ourselves to be the best team in the competition by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and if they are so much better than everyone else, then I think that gives hope to the teams, um, you know, from two to ten on the ladder right at the moment. 
Chris, you went on to say that if you're good enough over the next six to seven weeks, you would almost love to have a crack at them again. I hope I'm not uh, um, misinterpreting your comments there. But considering you might be out of the eight come the end of this season, your confidence seems to be extremely high for this side. Is that correct? Uh, which which part? The well, the part fact that, that you the, the fact that you could be potentially ninth if Sydney win tonight, yet you're still talking about playing footy for the next six to seven weeks and having another crack at Richmond. That, that's how confident you are in this group, regardless of your ladder position. Yeah, well, I think the ladder position's a little bit deceiving, to be honest. I mean, the the really what we're about, and we're in a decent group of teams, probably from you know, fourth or fifth down to tenth, who are aiming to qualify to get ourselves into the tournament. Once you're in the tournament, the equation's pretty simple. You're just going to win three, but probably four games if you're outside the top four. So um, it's pretty clear that if, if Richmond you know, get an MCG run through the first couple of weeks of the finals, that they're going to be the team to beat. But um, yeah, I, I really don't see that much difference um, between you know, the team's first, second and third and the team's seven, eighth and ninth, to be honest. It's a great season, Chris. There's no doubt about that. We, we're loving uh, what you guys were able to do last night and the challenge that Richmond were able to hold off in the end. If you had to play them again today, what what would you look to alter most significantly from a coach's point of view and from a tactical point of view? What was the one thing that maybe you couldn't get a clamp on or didn't quite execute to, to your best? Well, I think the numbers with the inside 50s in particular was the that that was that was the stark um, uh, difference in the game. I thought there were a lot of other parts of the game, um, you know, where we were okay. And I thought because they had field position, it, it didn't mean that um, they had the outside of the contest controlled pretty well. And we did tend to overuse the ball inside. But in some ways, you can understand that when they were set up behind the ball. If you, we reference back to our round 13 game, we dominated out of the centre bounces, which gave us pretty good field position, but um, you couldn't really maximise it. Um, we didn't get that dominance um, last night, and, and, and they are really strong when you give up field position. So in terms of how we give, or how we um, uh, balance out that inside 50 number, I mean, I suspect if inside 50s were even, we would have won the game. Um, but <laughs> As I said earlier, I hope we get a chance to play them again. So I don't want to be too specific about what we might do to change that. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't ask you to be to be too specific. But when the ball was handballed to Gary Ablett, forty from goal, fading to the right, which we know he, he loves to do. We've seen him kick these goals so many times. It's, he's almost an eight out of ten, nine out of ten uh, option from there. Chris, you must have you must have elevated in your seat and thought, here we go. This is the moment. This is the man. Yeah, I thought we had the ball in the right guy's hands. Um, he had a side art not long before that as well, and um, and miss. Um, it was great to see him in the game when it, um, you know, when it was really on too. So, yeah, we definitely had our chance to win with 90 seconds to go. That would have been a big moment. Did you chat to him after the game? How was he? Oh, only really quickly. I mean, not not specifically about that either. But no, he's, um, you know, I think he's. I assume he's disappointed we didn't speak about that, but um, ready to put himself in the arena again next week. How do you manage him during the week, 34 years of age now? Is he any different to anyone else? Yeah, we've, I mean, all our guys um, have um, you know, individual issues that um, that we need to, to manage and work through. I mean, 
the physical side of things I've found um, pretty easy, really. Like our um, conditioning staff have done a good job with him, and he obviously has a big input into his program as well, and we tend to back him in um, to know his body and, and, and work with him as opposed to impose our program upon him. With the footy stuff, I, I must say, I, I, I couldn't have hoped for anyone, um, any player more willing to, um, to get on board with what we're trying to do. He's, he's willing to play any role for us. He just wants to help the team as much as possible. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure what he was like um, 10 years ago, but um, he's a pleasure to work with as a coach. Is there a reason he's starting on the bench quite often in a quarter, Chris? Um, a little bit. I mean, we've, we've probably done that three out of the last four games or maybe five out of the last six. Um, one of the reasons is because we want to play him as an inside mid and um, we've got Selwood and Dangerfield and Duncan Kelly, who we like in there as well. Um, but look, there's, I think modern players would tell you now um, that... If you start on the ground in the first rotation, you probably play lower game time in that first half of the quarter than if you started on the bench. Can, Can I ask you more? Yeah, I have. I, I just fasc- the Jack Rewalt, the way he plays this position, Chris, it, fa- it fascinates me. The ability for him to have such influence on the game with minimal disposals. I know he kicked the four goals last night, but from an, an opposition coach point of view, planning for him. How difficult, how difficult to get a read or a handle on, on, on what to tell your defenders uh, to do to, in, in handling Jack? I, I don't think the position he plays is that difficult to work out, um, especially given he is their only genuine target down there. Um, he's, he's become, um, a, he's always been a good ground level player, but he's such a smart mobile player as well that um, it is a challenge when you've got a, um, when you've got him covered in the air, he can get you on the ground. I mean, even, He's becoming, it's almost a trademark at the moment, that handball over his head to Castagna and those types running forward of the ball. He's, he's certainly a threat irrespective of where he's playing, but um, I, I think you know the bottom line is you just need a really good, well-balanced defender who can spoil him in the air when he goes for the hangers but match him at ground level. Sounds easy. Chris, we, we've got to let you go shortly, if you can. Uh, just an injury update as far as uh, Jed Buse in particular is concerned. I haven't really. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got one, Hutto. He had a sore shoulder post-game, but um, I think it was more on the positive side um, than anything. So, But I tend to be the eternal optimist. With this, <laughs> you so do. 24 hours later, um, I'll have a bit more news for you. Okay. And Tom Stewart? I'd be surprised if he doesn't play next week. All right. Ooh. Terrific. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a fascinating run to the finals from here. Uh, once again, commiserations on last night, but uh, really appreciate you taking our call this morning. No worries, anytime. Good to talk. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. When Friday night footy is at its best, it prompts the whole weekend. It elevates the conversation and it creates a real sense of excitement and intrigue. And last night absolutely did that. Geelong falling three points short of Richmond. The Cats are on the on the brink. They're eighth and they need a little bit to go their way to hold on to that place. And the Tigers, they're clear on the top of the ladder. But the conversation's running in many different directions after a three-point result. It's crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers save lives getting us towards zero. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson, Kane Corns and David King. The three key takeouts from last night, the firsts, and we'll use the Chris Scott prompt from crunch time, is, is he right about the Tigers? It certainly wasn't my intention to make a big statement. I, I, I thought I was just stating the obvious. Um, you know, they, we, we lost the game by um, less than a kick. We think we've got a bit of improvement in us. We don't consider ourselves to be the best team in the competition by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and if they are so much better than everyone else, then I think that gives hope to the teams, um, you know, from two to ten on the ladder right at the moment. Kane, is Chris right? No, I don't think so. I, I Look, I'm really still confident about what Richmond can do. Clearly, I don't think anything out of last night has disrupted my thoughts on that. Yes, Geelong would be take some comfort out of that and some confidence, but will they play them again? Who knows? Richmond will get the first game here on the MCG, that big first final, and it's going to take something pretty special to beat them, and I can't see it. Kane Lambert gave us the Tigers' perspective uh, and reflected on his journey, which probably has him leading the Richmond best and fairest. Oh, I think the most clearest feedback I ever got was that I was just a role player and I wasn't going to be a match winner, uh, which I guess is fair enough from a, a recruiter point of view. They like players with weapons, but um, you know, just part of Richmond 22 is, is about being a role player, and you know, I'm more than happy being a role player now, but... I guess there's probably a lot of players similar to me. You know, I was probably a little bit undersized. Again, didn't have a, a real weapon that, you know, stood out to, to recruiters. And um, I, yeah, that's just the way it goes. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just really lucky that Richmond finally took a chance on me. Hutto, it's almost a reassuring story that a journeyman can become a star. It is, and it's something we're seeing mirrored in a number of players across the competition, Kane, isn't it? I mean, Tim Kelly last night. Uh, is another prime example, and Chris talked about him post-matches as being the best midfielder on the ground last night. He did butcher the ball a little bit, but his has been an extraordinary story. And, and Lambert, I mean, you take on what he says about not having a weapon, but, I mean, his whole game is a weapon, isn't it, really? <laughs> he's more than a role player now, Hutto. There's no doubt about that. Look, he's got weapons. Uh, when you've got work rate like that, when Kingy spoke about his breakaway speed, he's a good user of the footy. He is an all-rounded player now. He's a better player because he plays in Richmond's system. You, you put Lambert in, in Carlton and you're not going to get the same results, clearly. But that's what makes Richmond so good. They are so even. Um, and it was a great chat this morning. I loved hearing him talk so honestly. Can, can I ask you one more question about Geelong, which is just a broad one, uh, and something I think we've all grappled with all year. How, how good are they? Um, I think they're as good as where they sit. I, I think the latter at this stage of the year, this is a little bit cliche-ish, but is a reflection of your performance. Now, that they have switched off at times this year and lost games that they shouldn't 
have lost. They also won one early on in the year against Melbourne that they probably should have lost. So we keep going back to the loss at, at home against Sydney where they completely switched off around the stoppages and a few others this year. The Bulldogs uh, was the other uh, one. That yeah, them, wasn't I, I, I think they're 6th to 10th. That's, that's, that's where I see them. They're, their best footy will, will beat anyone, but their worst, they'll get beaten by anyone. So, look, they've got a fight on their hands to... If they win a final this year, uh, that'd be a good result and a good reflection of exactly where they're at, I think. So we close the book on Friday night footy with Richmond beating the Cats by three points. So much to look forward to today. Xavier Campbell will join us in the crunch, the Essendon chief executive, to reflect on how they've put their season back together and where can this run lead them. So the crunch for the TAC, safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. There are three here, really. The rules, AFLW and free agency. It's impossible not to start with free agency. If plenty of us harbour the hope that the AFL industry might mature to the point where player movement becomes freer or easier, uh, the last three days has not been has not been a great moment for our cause. No, uh, and it, it when someone as good as Lynch and the captain of the club leaves the 17th ranked team and potentially joins the Premier, which if you go by Mark Williams's word will happen, then I think we are rightly up in arms about it. And, and Kingy was really strong on, on his co- comments on it. I'd love to get them again from Kingy just on Tom Lynch leaving and the equalisation me- measures. I know you had your say on Twitter, Kingy, but... Yeah. What are you most concerned about? Is it just that we're getting star players leave the bottom clubs and join the top clubs? Or yeah, look, it's we've created unfortunately something that's it's only limited movement. I think if you're going to go down this path, you're either all in or you're all out. And I know, look, the players' association don't like us talking about free agency the way we do at the moment because they're they're of the belief that we need to really free it up and have it five years plus. Don't have restricted, just have unrestricted. I don't understand what restricted means. If you can have the situation with Tom Lynch and you can match the offer. But then he leaves anyway. And he leaves. <laughs> and then all you've done is sacrifice the compensatory pick, which is pick three. It's a, it's a pick you can't leave on the table. You, 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 they have to. They have to let him leave mm. and they have to get pick three. Mm. Otherwise, it's going to impact their rebuild. Um, I think the AFL didn't see that part coming. For, for, the, for the compensatory pick to dissolve once you've matched the offer is lunacy because you're trying to keep the player. I mean, they want Tom Lynch. Don't, don't, don't make no mistakes about that. He's decided to leave. Doesn't change the fact that they still wanted him. Why should they pay the price mm. if Tom decides to walk? So there, there are those who are just beating the table and pounding their phone saying they must match the offer. That is brinksmanship in the extreme the to only, match the offer. Well, the only way you do it is if you could trade for something better than pick three. And, and you also, you already need a conversation going with, Correct. with the other club. To express a willingness, so but, Dangerfield, that, they're not going to buy into that. What, what, why would? What's to gain for well, Richmond? And the only and the only case study is Adelaide and Geelong did yep. it. Is and but they he, reached a gentleman's agreement to trade rather yeah. than for it just to be. So they got a first round pick, pick twenty eight, and Dean Gore. That, that's how that finished. Yeah. Up. So maybe something like that could happen. But I mean, you look at it from Richmond's point of view. They're giving up salary cap space. That's all they're interested in giving up. They don't want to give up a first-round pick because they've still got the eye on the, on the, the long term as well. Um, Collingwood, Collingwood have already given away a couple of first-round picks for Trelaw a couple of years ago. They don't. They are not in in the business of giving no, away first-round no. picks. So those two clubs are not the Geelong of a couple of years no. ago. They're not desperate. I, I agree with you. Mm. Is like there is a naivety to those. I know they must match. Is 
you'll end up losing Crazy. him for nothing well, if you match. Uh, if you're going to match, make a song and dance about it. So you know what? We could end up with nothing here. But we are putting our, our, our flag in the ground and saying we're going to be a strong football club and you're either with us or you're against us. If you're against us, you know what? It's going to cost us a couple of players along the way. It's going to cost us a couple of picks and make it a feature statement, Jared. They already did, they did that. that with they Amira. did that by stripping no, him they of the captain. Say they no. But that, that was all they could do. Jared, that, that was, was foolish. All they could do. That was foolish. Was Jared. to make a stand and go. That's not this a stand. Is all we've got. That's just that's just that's being petty. They've lost all bargaining power by by ostracising this guy. You, you talked about the comparison to Dangerfield. They embraced Dangerfield. Yep. Okay. This is what's going to happen. Let's get the end of the year. We'll sort it out then. Blah blah blah. They've cut this guy effectively immediately. So there is no. What's the point of matching now? He's not going to stay. He's not even allowed in the place. That's my point. Is they've made this. They're not making a stand matching. This was the best stand they felt they could make because they're going to take the compensation. Well, I thought they Tony Cochran made a stand with O'Meara as well. He said we are Back not down. trading, but but then he did. So that, they, they've gone down that path before, and that's not going to happen again. No, nah, well, I think I think this. The bottom line for me is this picks dissolved too quick. They should have been able to make their stand, match the offer. So you still come across as a strong club. You really are invested in the long term. Um, the, the AFL had the chance to, I think, uh, allow that to be the case. There's nowhere in the rules that says when it dissolves. It doesn't actually say that. In the, in the first papers uh, spoken about with free agency, it doesn't actually say when the compensatory pick dissolves. So I think... Uh, I think so explain if that, Kingy. What, what do you mean by that? Well, if, if they don't match, they'll, and he, he walks and goes to the club of his choosing and they, he goes to Richmond or Collingwood or Hawthorne, whoever it is, then oh, he'll, get, he'll get pick three. If they match the offer and he still chooses to walk, which I think is the AFL's best result. Yeah. So, so the Gold Coast still get their pick in pick three. He walks and he goes to the poorest club in the land. Now, that's part of yeah. equalisation. At the moment, that's Carlton. But it'll, it could be whoever in the next few years. That's what we want. We want, we virtually want, we, want, we don't want it to be impossible for you to leave clubs. We, we don't want that because we, we do need free agency in itself. But we still need the bottom clubs to not pay a price every time someone leaves. So the AFL would say he spent eight years there. He wasn't given the choice where he got drafted to. So then to send him to Carlton or to a lower-ranked club is completely against the design of free agency and the player's choice. That's what the Players Association would say yeah. to that. Yep. That's right. And the current and, uh, system is absurd, though, isn't it, with the matching? That, that really is absurd. Every it, it, the matching's a farce. It's just ridiculous. So let, let's not even have that. Yeah. Well, it was put in as a safety blanket, and it's not acting as a safety no. blanket. Yeah. Well, if, I think, if, I think if, Hutto, system, if you match, you actually get to keep the player. But that's yeah, that doesn't work either. It, it's it was foolish to bring in a system that's contrary to equalisation, to have it up against the draft and the salary cap, in isolation. It, in, in its current form, is counterproductive. I mean, how can you how can you win the flag, and then get the competition's mm. best out of contract player the next season? I mean, it's just not right. They need to put some parameters around what the top four teams can do and can't do around free agency. So we'll come back to this and we'll play Paul Connors from AFL Nation last night, who came in to answer all the questions that we had around the scenario, uh, around the bust-up as it was at the end, the player leadership meeting that the Suns had, and also Andrew Gaff. But I just want to use Gaff as the little springboard into the discussion about the rules. So yesterday the AFL presented a briefing to the Fox footy staff. We weren't the only ones. There was a second briefing later in the day on their current thinking around what's going to happen. So there's a few layers to this, but one of the inescapable outcomes, Kingy, was 
the winger oh. might suddenly become the most important player in the game. And Andrew Gaff, who uh, Paul Commons was careful to say he can play inside. I oh, don't worry. He'll be playing outside under the new rules next year, and he might be one of the most damaging players we've ever seen. At the centre bounces, you're going to have six v six inside the inside 50 metre arcs at both ends. So one have... in the goal square and five wherever yep. you like in the arc. Four midfielders, Ruckman and three at ground level in the actual centre square, and then you're going to have a wingman on the true wing line, not on the half back flank line or the half forward line, on the true wing line on either side. He has got. A, a genuine one on the only one on one on the ground is the wing, and they've got a hundred metres to work in. I think the best player from each team will be playing wing uh. at centre bounces next year. Um, can you imagine Dangerfield on the wing with 60, 70, 80 metres in front of him? Good luck defending him. Uh, this is why Gaff is such a commodity now. Look, if he was worth 1.1 before the rule change, it's gone to 1.3, Jerry. It, it, ha- it sounds stupid, but it has. So you could have effectively put Josh Kelly or Martin on the wing, and your strategy at the centre bounce could be don't kick it forward, kick it wide. Hit it sideways. Hit it, to, to... Hit it sideways. They won't hit forward anymore. Yeah. It'll be hit to, hit to Fife on the wing. <laughs> hit to Dangerfield on the wing. I think the, the innovation around this will be fascinating. You may see you because tall forwards on the wing because well. you can't have players off the back of the line, off the front of the, sorry, off the back of the square or the front of the square. We may see Max Gorn hitting the ball 12 to 15 metres forward mm. and having a player on the fly. We may see him hitting it backwards 10 metres because there's no price to pay. The other were players sold, can't get you, there. Were you sold um, on what the AFL are doing? Am I sold? I, I'm not sold. I, I, I like what they're doing. Their, their, their work has been so thorough, it's impossible to question what they've done, and they've done a fantastic job. I, I like I like where they're going with it, but I, the, my fa- most favourite part of the day was when Steve Hocking said, I asked him what the markers were for success along the way. He said, you know what, this is a three- to five-year window. This is, a, this is a long-term view. We're not jumping into anything too quickly. There'll be a couple of changes next year, and I thought, terrific. This is the first time it's been so considered and so well done in terms of research and diligence to what the effects will actually be. You have to commend the AFL on what they've done. I know the, the, the public haven't seen it yet, but you just have to trust us on that. Uh, the presentation yesterday was first class. I think what they'll bring in will work. But it is such a big shift. It is such a big change for centre bounces. It's going to allow coaches to be themselves. We're talking about Chris Scott and what he did last night in a, in a tactical sense. Can't wait for centre bounces next year. Yeah, it will it, stimulate tactics. And one of the, so there are a few parameters. One is they are not looking for a homogenous game. They actually want to prize what they call prize the game open and stimulate the creative minds. Yep. So instead of being the blunt force is shut down what that team is doing is, is invigorate yourselves, come up with different styles of play. The three headlines that sort of operates under is how do we highlight the instinctive nature of the players? How do we allow coaches to create strategic tension? And how do we advance the game for fans? And this is why this is not the previous incarnation of a little thing here and a little thing there that they didn't know what it was going to. This has been done with great care and tremendous diligence. They're going to embarrass, these changes, Cornsy, are going to embarrass anything that the rulemakers did prior to this point. They really will. Why do we muck around with these little little tinkerings here yeah. and there and we really had no idea? They were flying blind. The, the way they've done this is so thorough and so professional, it will embarrass the previous. And it hits one of the chords with fans, so talk about calls that you get is 
Steve Hawking, the quote is, the game has wrapped itself in so much regulation, we have to unpack it. So for those who go, there are too many rules, is that is the exact view yeah. of the people who are guiding the future of the game. They have to pull some of the, since 2005, a whole lot has been put around the game that has not served the game well, outside of the making the game safer for players. The rest of it, it is tied up in so many levels of, of red tape and over-regulation, and one of the keys is to pull that apart. I didn't hear the presentation, Jared. What What is their response? Because I'm just listening to you thinking, well, the good sides will completely destroy the poorer sides. What's their response when that question is asked to them? If you've got Dangerfield up against a young Carlton player on the wing and you don't have the personnel, I think this will widen the gap. So that's the unknowable. So I don't think they're dealing with the unknowables yet. They have dealt with unintended consequences, and that's why they've taken starting positions at stoppages around the ground out. It has too many unintended consequences. So the, the, first, the two things that are in trial and are really coming are the 666 at every centre bounce and the larger goal square. And it's not just around... One of the interesting parts is they will... They're looking to, on the repeat stoppage, reset the ground. So the repeat stoppage in the middle. Now, what constitutes the repeat stoppage? That's what they have to test for to work that out. Is it four seconds? Is it eight seconds? Is it 12 seconds? If, if the ball didn't clear. And then on the kick-ins, to ignite the volatile space. And there were a few ways that they demonstrated that. They've seen stuff that doesn't work. They've seen stuff that has. They've got four VFL games to come, plus others as well. So they're not at a a finished point yet but they're not the, the, that's the unknowable is we'll have more blowouts well how many blowouts mm. how will that go mm. I think that's unknowable I, for the I time think, being I'm hoping this is correct I, I, I really do hope this is correct I think the AFL are correct in the on field first there's problems there and then I think they'll get to the off field then I think that they'll look at free agency, they'll look at the draft, they'll look at the salary cap. Do they really equalise? Footy department spends, those sorts of things. That'll be the next layer, Jared. And, and all trust in what they're doing at the moment. It's been fantastic. So this is all in the crunch. AFLW coming up as well for the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. We promised Paul Connors this was the long sit-down last night. It's not perfect, that's for sure. But, you know, we're in the free agency world and... Um, yeah, we'd like to have had some of our time again, but it is what it is sometimes, as I say. And um, Tom was asked for a decision, and that, that decision's been, you know, been wanted for about three months now. And he finally made that decision and was very honest about it. And, and you know, we've seen a little bit of fallout from there. What would you have done better with your time over? Well, just, just a couple of things are, are clear. The Gold Coast, and they're on record as saying that they were very, very keen for Tom to make a decision. And he he didn't play. He you know one of the things that, that changed was that he, he got injured, and he felt terribly about that that he couldn't play as well as he would have liked this year, and so that that changed things from our perspective. If he was playing, he still wouldn't have met any club. He wouldn't have done anything different. He'd be just playing. He might have been pressured for a decision still, but um, it's, it's very important to make the statement that Tom did not meet any club while he was playing, and and the Gold Coast you know were. We're, just, we're told of his more than likely decision in early July and then he went home to have an operation and then there was a period where we met a couple of clubs and, and then that came out and, and, and certainly we didn't want that to come out that he'd met clubs. We, we try and go about our business quietly and, um, you know, we guided Tom in that so, we, you know, Tom Lynch shouldn't take any blame for any of this. 
did you think yesterday there was a chance that it would be so confrontational with Gold Coast? He would be stripped of the captaincy and he would essentially be banished from the team environment. Well, again, he, he went home and, and it felt like the pressure was mounting. There were a couple of examples of, of, of not leaks in the media, but the media was so... The media is a big organisation and you had an appetite for this story like no other. It's like we wanted we want the decision. Everyone thought it was just a no-brainer decision for Tom. As Tom would say to us, he just can't see himself playing in another jumper for many for many months. So for many it was an easy decision. For Tom it was a difficult decision that he wrestled with over time. And going back and facing his leaders um, yesterday was really, really hard for him. And he, he looked them in the eye and he told them his decision, again, honestly and openly. And then they had a really robust discussion about how that would play out moving forward. Was he hurt by that? Not about hurt, but... He certainly um, he was happy to debate that he feels like he was comfortable to continue in his role, not as leader maybe, but just continue in his role there at the club. So it was reported, uh, Jake, you might be able to put a little yeah. bit of uh, meat on the bone here. He met, told the players and that there were a specific leadership group which included some youngsters, Took Miller amongst them, which yeah. was in the report, and amongst uh, uh, Jack Bowes and one or two others, and that he was said to be very outspoken in... Um, uh, about the decision that Tom had reached. I'm not privy to everything that was said in that meeting. I, I would say that we're allowed to have robust discussions. Yeah. So if there's a leadership meeting with Tom as the captain who's been there for eight years, I mean, I think that's what is really important, that Tom's lived and breathed this journey for eight years. Uh, you know, whether it's Mark Evans or Craig Cameron or the recent, or Stuart Jew, they've just been there now, but Tom's been there for eight years and given his heart and soul. Was his loyalty questioned by those young boys, or one or two of those I, young boys? I hope not. Because, I mean, there's one thing which will play out over in time if you get to know Tom, his character, his integrity and his loyalty. And his loyalty to that footy club. There's lots of others who have left earlier. Tom stayed the distance and, you know, gave him time and time and he just thought it was ready to come home. Um, I've got no issue with, with robust discussion in that leadership group. There was one thing that's saying that, and I spoke to Tom tonight, saying that um, David Swallow stripped down his, his, the fellow leaders. That's wrong. Do you know what I mean? They, in defence of Tom. In defence of Tom. So there's twofold to that. David Swallow didn't do that. They had a robust discussion. They agreed to disagree on a few things. Tom leaves. That night, four of the leaders are at his house, you know, having a cup of coffee with him. So I think Tom Lynch will leave with his head held high, um, with his integrity intact. And are there things that we would like to have played out differently? Yes. So, so he wouldn't have met with any club would not, if he was still playing? No chance. And and Craig Cameron, who I've got a great relationship with, um, knows that that's fact. And while he was playing, he didn't meet with a club, not one. And, and I swore on my child's life that that wouldn't happen. And that's how we conduct ourselves. Has he chosen a club? No. No, he hasn't chosen a club. And right now, I think I'm, we're just going to let him be for a couple of months, not months, a couple of weeks, just to get his head back in the right space because he's sad. Mm. He's not... He's not skipping out of this club. He feels the club, and so do I, that they're in the best spot they've been in eight years. It's just not his time now. He's down to two. He's met with no. Richmond and Collingwood. No, there's, there's also Hawthorne involved as well. Has he met with Hawthorne as well? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. What if Essendon came? What if a fourth or fifth or sixth club emerged? Has he shut his mind off to everyone other than these three? I think he has. Right. Yeah. And are the offers in? Yeah, and, and it's not a money. You know, you know someone said, you know, he'd be seen as a mercenary. It's just the furthest thing from the truth is a joke because if you see this play out and in time everything will play out, 
again, I, selfless is a strong word. He would have got money, up, big money up there. He could have got a lot more money elsewhere. You What's know? Andrew Gaff want? Andrew Gaff, I always talk about his heart rate hovers between 25 and 28 at a maximum. <laughs> he just continues to play football at the highest level, and he astounds me. Um, he's just he's just a young man who goes. He always does his contracts late, and he just is a deep thinker and takes his time. Um, and I said last year, like Josh Kelly in July was leaving, and in August he's staying. So um, Andrew Gaff's just taking his time. Uh, and offers in for him. Yeah, but he doesn't seek anything. He just knows that there's no, interest. No, he, may, he may not seek them. But no, gonna, there's interest back home. So North come yeah. to you and put seven years on the table. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to say. I, I think there's six Mel- Melbourne-based clubs that would be interested in Andrew Gaff. But right now, West Coast is a pretty good club who's who's doing a lot right, and they don't lose many players. West Coast. <laughs> Paul Connors last night on AFL Nation detailing what transpired around Tom Lynch as he left the Suns, what the future holds, the three clubs who are in... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. His thinking, no decision yet, and Andrew Gaff, which does lean towards West Coast, I think, in what was said there. News from the MCG, Essendon, Matt D., he passed the concussion protocols, but he's still been ruled out, so he's a late withdrawal. And Matt Guelphy as well through injury, uh, through illness. So two late changes for the Bombers. They've been replaced by Ben McNeese and Travis Collier. The Hawks go in as selected. We are into the crunch for the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives. Getting us towards zero. Coming up, we've got the Bombers Chief Executive. He'll be here to answer some questions about the flow of the season. Xavier Campbell, and we'll delve into the tactics of the day. What will unfold as the Hawks and the Bombers meet? It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. This is the crunch for the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. Shortly, the Essendon Chief Executive, Xavier Campbell, is going to join us here at the MCG. So let's take a bit of a deep dive, David King and Kane Corns, into what lies ahead of us with Hawthorne and Essendon. The storied rivalry is one thing. The urgency of the now is another. And it's quite... I'm a bit astonished at how lightly Hawthorne are being dismissed coming here today there is no sense of optimism around their prospects on the outer at all well I think uh Cornsy, when you look at the opposition they're flying I think that everyone's seeing what Essendon have been able to do in the last 10 weeks it's frantic it's quick it's through the corridor and to put it simply Jared it's hard to stop this is a this is a team that that had the powwow after round eight uh, they were so disappointing in that first two months of the season to be sitting two and six a real lack of leadership on field you interviewed Andrew McGrath, and I keep going back to this. Dyson Heppel walked into the young leaders' team meeting, and he said, uh, listen, guys, we've let you down as a senior corps, and it's up to us to shoulder the load. 
And from that moment forward, Dyson Heppel has been the captain that every club wants. Yep. He's been this year's Trent Cotchin, uh, last year's Trent Cotchin. He's turned his footy around and he's playing like the, the, the gun midfielder we know that he is. And I think when you look at what the way Essendon are playing, Cornsy, a lot of what they do is a lot of what Hawthorne hate. <laughs> they, they don't like speed. They don't like to. They're not a great clearance team, that, despite having a couple of absolute stars in there in good form at the moment. So, it's it, they're polar opposites. Those two teams. So whoever wins, in my opinion, will win big. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Look, I, I like Essendon as well. I agree with everything Kingy has said, and and I agree with Dyson Heppel as well because he was flat last year, wasn't he? And and probably understandably so. But and he was flat to start this year, but his leadership has been exceptional. Merritt's back in form. Start across half back has just been terrific. Would love to see him get the job on Bruce today, who's the best small forward in the game right now. And do you take away his run by giving him that job? I don't know, but I think Bruce is that important for Hawthorne and Saad is defensively good, so I'd love to see that as a big matchup. But the big three recruits from Hawthorne, uh, from Essendon have been pretty impressive for me. I think Stringer's done what we expected him to do, probably been uh, definitely a tick. We know about Smith, who's in, in line for his All-Australian selection, and, and Saad's been terrific across half-back. Essendon, uh, Hawthorne will come with a plan to shut down the ball movement and the fast playoff halfback that Essendon are so good at, and it's difficult for them on this ground. They loved it that he had, as we saw last week, so more difficult here. Hawthorne will have a plan. Um, you, you can't discount Clarko, but I, but I think I'm with King that the Hawks, uh, sorry, I keep getting them mixed up. Essendon will be too good today. You know, the f- interesting part, Jared and, and Hardo, is it, I think when you look at Essendon, you, you just think of that fastball movement, and we and we talk a lot about it. But if you actually have a look at the way they're playing, it, it, it's not that. It's not that. It's it's they've become since round nine, and, and people get sick of numbers. I, I get that they're the best clearance team in the competition. We don't give them credit for how tough they are. Uh, so that's where the real difference is, is it, Kingy? Yeah, they that's, talk, you, know, you, you talked, and others were critical of them not being that forward half team and, and they said oh we're trying and, and failing I guess early in the year but and it, it started more at the clearance well they wanted to be a forward half team but at the start of the year their personnel was clearly in the wrong positions I mean they couldn't get their hands on the ball they were playing Stringer in the middle he's not a midfielder he's a deep forward and he's a, he's a pinch hit burst midfielder particularly at centre bounces not around the ground so they were losing clearances. They were, they were 13th in the competition for the first two months of clearances, So, which means you've got to bring the ball from your defensive end full length of the ground. It's not sustainable. They've turned that around. They've become uh, the most proficient scoring team from clearance. So not only are they winning it, they're getting it on the scoreboard because they've got a damaging forward line. Whilst it's not in the top you know, half a dozen of the competition, it's, it's damaging enough. But once it's in there, if you give Hurley and Hooker the ability to command a position that they can intercept in that forward half, they will they will dominate that spot. The problem at the start of the year was Hooker was in the forward line yeah. and Hurley was one out down back with the ball coming in 65 times a game. Now, I don't care who you are, Cornsy, you, can't, you just can't stand up against that against that volume. So don't think of Essendon as the run-and-gun team that we all want to. Think of them as the wanting to get their hands dirty, captain-inspired, let's get the ball in our forward half, let's make them pay. And I think um, you're right. Hook has been so important for that, as has Bill Chambers, I think, Kingy in the rack. Yeah. We haven't probably given him enough credit. And uh, we're up against Segler today. You just look across all lines and Essendon have it covered strong down back 
McGrath gives them speed on the outside. Zaharakis through the midfield as well, which Hawthorne don't have besides, uh, of course, Isaac Smith, who's having a terrific year. So, And then in the forward line, it's, it's a no-name-ish forward line, isn't it, with Mitch Brown, but even he's commanding the footy at the Going moment, well, and le- leading up at the ball, and, and he's been important. So... Uh, Terrific what they've done, particularly without Danaher this year and, and with McKernan out injured. It has to be said, though, Gaunty, uh, what were they doing for the yes. first two Well, months? they wasted their year. Well, t- two and six, your year in a lot of ways is done. done. I mean, the ladder's, the way the ladder's shaping, it's actually falling for them. It's giving them a great opportunity. Last night get, helped. Yeah, if they can get to done, get today done, there'll be a log jam, you know, seventh to, to 11th on the table. So, And they're in that. They're going to come up against Richmond in a couple of weeks, but we'll talk about them later on. But... Look, uh, how big a factor is Clarko in, in, in all of this, in, in what Hawthorne are doing broadly, but just, you know, pick game, Clarko, we know he's, he can come up with something, or, or maybe it'll just be the same as what we've seen. Yeah, we know he's going to come up with something, we just don't know what it is. I, I worry that the MCG, they don't tend to play keepings off like they used to, Hawthorne's not as, not as dominant, not as controlling. Um, they've got, they basically run off the four cylinders, if you, if you, if you want to look at it for me, it's, Isaac Smith, Mitchell, O'Meara, and Luke Bruce. They're the, they're the four cylinders that, that need to fire. Uh, if they are in any way clamped, and this brings me to a bigger discussion, the Tom Mitchell discussion. Yeah. That's his trump card at the moment. His last three weeks, he's gone 43, 46, 42. And kicking goals, too. They're massive numbers, he aren't they? He kicked four goals in his last fortnight as well. Yeah, he has. And, and uh, So when you've got the best midfield in the competition with you know, Merritt, Heppel, Myers, who's a critical part of their midfield, uh, McGrath going in there Smith at times. Smith goes through there. Yeah, Smith been having an outstanding year. Do you just back... Your midfield, knowing they're in great form, or do you say you? no? Hang on, we've got it. We've got to strap one to Tom Mitchell. We can't allow him to have 45 and and be a factor. I don't have the answer. I think most coaches tend to back their team first and Correct. their system first, yeah, and then, and then they a, all change, don't they? Well, well they th- don't all change. I mean, 43, 46, 42 yeah. doesn't reflect change too much against well, Tom, but well, they tried, they tried and failed. Oh, well, so, some have done. Uh, Jacobs did a good job. I don't think anyone's really diligently tried, but besides Jacobs at North Melbourne who, who did yeah. a pretty good job on him you, yeah. you need to come with the mindset and you need to have the personnel to do it, you need to have someone Myers. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Could do it, I that think. That wants to do it. Myers, Myers could do it, but then you take you take someone out to put him in, don't you? So, look, I, I'm with you, King. I think they'll at least give it the first quarter and see how it goes, but they'll back their midfield. It in. feels to me like today is set up. Broadly speaking, we are overestimating Essendon and underestimating It does a Hawthorne, little bit. But let's see what it looks like when they take the field. I, that, it feels like an inescapable theme to the game, but that might be absolutely right. That that might end up being where their trajectories are. There is one small it's factor, part of it, Jared. it feels like it's not. I know. Coming back from Perth, six-day break. Yeah. And people won't want to give that as an excuse post-game, but it's a factor. Let's stay with the Bombers. Next, we'll have the Chief Executive, Xavier Campbell. So we'll delve into what did they do. I suspect there are a whole set of good decisions made 
that have led to the turnaround in their season. We'll delve with the Essendon Chief Executive next. This is crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. SEN, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au. So let's stay on theme with what lies ahead of us this afternoon at the MCG, Hawthorne and Essendon. Crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC, safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. The Essendon Chief Executive, Xavier Campbell, is in the box. Xavier, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. What's uh, So you're on a charge, but you're on a knife's edge. What does that do to the emotions coming to the footy? Oh, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's been week by week for us for a, for a, for a while now. Obviously, <laughs> I don't um, well, it's just it has to be. You know, we have to just have to focus on the task at hand. Today is a great opportunity for us against you know a traditional rival and probably you know one one of our greatest rivals, if not our greatest rivals. So it's um, it sort of feels a bit finals like because of the situation that that we're in, cluster cluster of teams, and we've just got to keep winning. Has it got to the point where eight out of ten? one of the form teams of the competition where now if you don't make it, it's actually going to be a little bit unfulfilling? I was thinking about that driving in. Um, obviously, our season's been sort of in two parts, really. You know, it was a bit disappointing, but maybe that was a period, you know, thinking back uh, retrospectively, maybe it was a period that we had to go through to get to the point now where we're actually playing a more consistent style of football. And that doesn't mean you win every single week, but for us, we were craving that in round eight, and we've been able to do that. So... You know, what does success look like from now? Does it look like playing finals? Obviously, you, your fans would love to see you playing finals, and you know, obviously, I would love to see us play finals, but I'm not sure that's all the success sort of rests on as well. Um, that style, finding new players, Aaron Francis played last week. There's a lot of other positives to take into into the off-season, into 2019 as well. It's felt to me, I interviewed John Walsfold during the week, that there was a set of proactive decisions made rather than accepting your fate in round eight. Is that a reasonable interpretation? Yeah, I think that's right. Probably... They, they may have been decisions that we might have waited to make later in the year um, that were fast-tracked because of the position that we were in. Um, and, you know, I, and I don't want to... Obviously, the Neil decision is the one that comes to mind for most people when they mention that. It would be naive to think that that decision then was, was the catalyst for everything else. But there's no doubt that from that point forward, there was, there was you know, I think the, the communication amongst the, clo- the coaches, probably the effectiveness of, the, of their communication was, a, was a, perhaps a key driver in helping us... Um, fine-tune things and you know I think the playing group was too talented not to be able to turn things around as well and I was really surprised at the belief that they still had at that point themselves and that was a real positive and that's something I think has been catalyst for helping us improve. So what does it tell you about your club as you aim for loftier things in seasons ahead? Well I think we're maturing you know I think that's a real positive um, you know we're a resilient club for a whole range of reasons some really obvious reasons and other probably others probably less obvious um, but we've got a great group of young guys that are really trying to drive this football program forward and I feel you know I feel as confident as I've ever felt in my time as CEO and this is my fifth season now as CEO in that we're building um, a really solid foundation for the future what does that look jobs? like sorry, Hutter, sorry I just, go, what does that look like in terms of success 
in the future. I mean, it's always difficult to put a goal out in the public domain, but if you didn't make the finals, if you just missed, are you confident that it's top four next year? Where does it sit in your mind? I wouldn't be specific to say top four, but I think, you know, it's, if I take it back to round eight, I remember I was sat in my office this week, I was cleaning my whiteboard, it was quite messy, and I, I saw a little, a couple of some notes I'd made about, well, what does success look like? Well, two and six, what does success look like between now and the end of the season? And, you know, this is just for me. This wasn't something that I, I sort of took around to other staff or the board. It was sort of win eight of our last 13, be playing a clear and consistent style of football, um, find three to four young players that we know are going to be part of the future. And there was, mm. there was a couple of other points. And it's been positive. It's been you know, really satisfying to see the work that they've been able to do. I, I would love to think, you know, playing finals is fantastic, but I... I think that clear style of football and taking that into a period where, you know, remembering we went to, we went to the trade table and we were drafting, we were trading for 23 year olds, we weren't trading for 28, 29 year olds because our list demographic comes into a position over the next couple of years where we should be hopefully challenging to be, you know, that top four team on a consistent basis to put ourselves in a position for success. Is there still a weakness on your list? A lot spoken about the midfield and the lack of probably that bigger bodied sort of midfield in there. Is there still that gap you'd love to fill? I think the midfield is still just such an important part of your football program and if you looked at list management perspective if Adrian was here he'd probably say you know creating greater depth into our midfield is a, is a critical part for us um, if you look at our statistics before round eight and then post round eight round nine onwards our midfield has become a real strength for us um, and our ball movement our pace through our midfield is really exciting but I think still shoring that up further is is a priority for our football club Hello uh, Xavier will will Sam Mitchell be uh Look, will Essendon be an option for Sam Mitchell next year when he comes back to Melbourne looking for a coaching gig? This is what he said in his book. I'll be honest, as an AFL player, the Essendon scandal pissed me off, he revealed in Relentless. What happened cast an affair stain over the overwhelming majority of players who had never taken part in the injection program, and I took my frustration to the AFL Players Association. I have no inside information about the situation at the time and understand the Essendon players were poorly managed and governed but I've always found myself falling short of calling them victims. Yeah, well, that line where you said I had no inside information about it at the time is probably, you know, it's always a good gauge. If you don't have the inside information, you're best not making such significant comment because invariably I think comment can be a little bit misguided. And, um, you know, I appreciate his, his rights for an opinion, but knowing the position those players were in and the challenges and... and Personally, and what we're not wanting to back the truck up over old ground because we're all trying to move forward. You know, I thought I thought the players did everything in their power to, to not put themselves in that position, and um, it was a disappointing position. And the club took full responsibility for that, as they should have. Um, you know, that's probably the, the the only comment to make on that. Does that pee you off? To use his words, that he makes those comments. Uh, well, it doesn't doesn't really affect me at all. I mean, it, I was frustrated a few years back for that that in that uh, situation that. Um, that we all found ourselves in then, um, with his actions on that day. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me now. We're focused on the future. We're focused on becoming the football club that we want to be. And we've still got a lot of work ahead of us. But, you know, it's been nice the last couple of months to, to make up some ground. So it doesn't, I, I feel impartial to it. As a club that really wants to, uh, progress in the women's space, you're doing a lot of, a lot of stuff to, to push your case forward. Have the AFL made a mess of the progression of AFLW if they go with a shortened season? Um, I, I sort of, without being specific in answering that question specifically, I'd say that I commend the AFL and I think they've been well-intentioned in, in 
trying to bring this program forward and grow it really quickly to make up for lost ground. And I've heard Gillen speak to that, and I give absolute credit to them on what they're trying to do. And along the way, invariably, you're going to make some missteps. Um, with respect to the season, the games, I mean, I'm not sure that's necessarily locked in. We've got a CEO's conference later this week that Gill will no doubt be talking to that. Um, and it'd be interesting to understand it from their perspective. Again, a bit like you know, talking about that comment before, we, we don't have the inside information on their rationale for what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And I'd love to hear that first. But I know, um, you know, I hear them talk about AFLW and they're absolutely they are passionate about it and it's absolute priority for the AFL. So, you know, I commend them on the work that they've been doing. They have disenfranchised all of their players in one go. That, that's it's not a great position to be in. Yeah, and as, you know, as, I, as I said, it's really I, I look forward to understanding more about it later this week to see what the strategic direction is um, with respect to the league, with respect to the games, with respect to the com- commercial growth. And can, until can, I can I ask, that, you, on, can I ask yeah. you on that then? How, how tricky is the balance of the commercial, the, the commercial growth for today and next year versus the good of the game and the commercial growth over 20 years? Yeah, I think there's a balance. Yeah, and and again, we haven't got an AFLW team yet. Obviously, we've got a VFLW team, and it's been fantastic for us in a short period of time. Um, we're building really well toward an AFLW team commercially. I think, you know, we, we presented our business case to the AFL last year, and not that it's just all about commercials, but we thought that an AFLW team we could be profitable from year one, and that talks to the interest in the league um, and the growth of the game. And you know you're going to see a marked change in the landscape of women's football over the next ten years, in particular, when you see girls and women come through that have been playing their entire life. The free agency debate has been hot this week as well. Have you got a view on whether it is working in the way that it was intended when it was put in place? I, I probably don't yet. Um, again, that's something we'll, we'll discuss later this week. It's, I know the, the comment around the Tom Lynch piece and um, should should clubs be talking to free agents and all that sort of thing. It's it's a challenging one because you're sort of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You don't want to be missing out. These things take a long time, obviously. Um, it'll be interesting to see the discussion from the AFL's perspective. You know, I think Steve Hocking is really capable. He's he's going to be a he's going to be a great asset for the AFL in years to come. Um, the, the thing I'd say about him is he's very considered. He's very measured. He makes sure he does the work before. He makes determinations, and that's what he'll do. Was it designed that the best players would end up going to the best clubs? I'm not sure it was designed to do that. A byproduct of that, perhaps in people's eyes, maybe that that's what's happening. Um, the sample data is still pretty small, though. Are you a believer in more free agency or less? Are you a believer in the Players Association lowering it to six and making it a much bigger pool, or less, as some would argue, that it's uh, it, it will create that two-tier competition? Uh, personally, right now, I like where it sits, but again, I'd still like to see more sample data before we really understand the flow and impacts of free agency in its current form. Were you right to re-sign John Warsfold at the start of the year? <laughs> Was that on your whiteboard? Were you down? No. Gee, Warsaw no, heat at two and six. There were those who still believed that despite the new contract, he was four weeks away from getting the sack. Yeah, it's a, the game's... The game's uh, big like that, isn't it? It's, it's a strong views, and that's understandable. Right? We... I, at two and six, I didn't feel like it was the wrong decision because I still saw the faith that the players had in the program, and that is a really critical element um, for where your football program program's going. Did so, you do anything to check whether you were still right? Uh, well, we still—I have a lot of discussions. Like every second week, I catch up with John and Richo. We spend an hour together and we talk about where our football program's at. They're good, honest discussions. John welcomes feedback. He gives feedback to myself and Richo, and that's exactly how it should be. 
and you're always trying to challenge yourselves to improve. And the modern game is different both from an administrative perspective and probably from a coaching perspective as well. The, the generation of players coming through now are very different to, to what they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. And we've all got to keep evolving ourselves to ensure that we put ourselves in the best position to, to have the greatest impact on those players. Do you think the criticism of John was over the top in those weeks? I thought I thought it was. It started to to get a bit toward that. Um, for a guy that who's you know he's he's great integrity. He's got a, an amazing track record playing and coaching. Um, I thought it probably went a little bit too far one way, but you know it, John didn't get flustered by it. And, and um, for us, we're in a you know, we're in a good position now, and I think John's a, a key ingredient for that. We'll see where you are in a few hours' time. Xavier, thanks for dropping by. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Kane. Thanks, Hutto. Xavier Campbell, the chief executive of Essendon. Hutto, good luck with the showdown. May it be what it was previously. Oh, I can't wait, to, Jared. Kane, who are you tipping? Uh, Port Adelaide. Oh, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Which one? Port Adelaide. Okay. Port Adelaide, with confidence. Good going, Hutto. We'll see how the afternoon yes, unfolds Jared. on many fronts. This has been Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC, safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.